Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now, businesses use leases to finance their buildings, vehicle, and equipment all the time. It's a very popular financing tool. The key advantage of a lease is that businesses can reduce their operating expenses without purchasing and owning assets and without taking on additional debt. Leases also make great sense for solar and energy storage installations. So my guest on this week's show is Stan Fishbein with Cleanview Capital. He's been doing solar financing for the past decade, focusing on commercial leases. Now, we like these Cleanview Capital products, and we're offering this leasing program to our commercial customers in the Silicon Valley area. And Stan's been very active in the solar industry over the years. He's been a board member of the New York Solar Energy Society, and very active at conferences and shows. So welcome to the show, Stan. Thank you, Barry. Thank you for having me. All right, good, good. Looking forward to it. So just kind of first, top level, the basics. Explain how a solar lease works for commercial customers. Okay, sure. Well, similar to for consumers, it's really a usage agreement, also known as a rental agreement. And most people are familiar with renting a car or an apartment or an office. You know, it's a rental agreement where the owner of the property, who's known as the lessor, conveys its use to another party called the lessee for a period of time, which is the term, in return for a consideration, typically monthly payments. And if a purchase option is not exercised, the property has to be returned. That's the definition of a true lease. Typically, these Leases are triple net, which means the lessee who's in possession of whatever that equipment happens to be, or or asset, I should say, if it's real estate, is responsible for insurance for maintenance and property taxes, so-called triple net lease. So in that sense, it's not a borrowing of money. The customer is paying payments in return for use of that property. And the good news for companies is these payments are 100% tax deductible because it's ordinary business expense as opposed to paying interest on a loan. Oh, good. All right. So I hear there's there's two kinds of leases, a capital lease and an operating lease. What's the distinction there? Right. So let me drill down a little bit. The type of lease that I was just describing, a true lease, is known as an operating lease for accounting purposes. That's accounting terminology. When the lease has a $1 purchase option at the end and, in essence, is fully amortizing, it gets classified as a capital lease for accounting purposes, which, in other words, it's treated just like a loan for book accounting and also for tax purposes, where in that situation, the business customer can only deduct the interest portion of every monthly payment. Wait. So it, people, people get confused because of the classifications, but it's, it's really more to do with accounting treatment. Yeah, well, the accounting treatment's important. And Stan, I have to say that's the clearest explanation explaining the differences between capital and operating leases I've ever heard. So now I can remember that a capital lease is just basically fully amortizing. It's just like taking out a loan that, that you pay back the principal and interest on monthly. All right, so as a matter, so, as a matter of fact, Barry, we call it a loan and lease clothing. Uh, A capital lease is known as a loan in lease clothing. Ah, Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll stay away from the wolves. All right. So speaking of wolves, you know, not necessarily, but tell me what the difference is between a PPA and a lease. Okay. Well, solar industry has created their own offerings 
One of them is a power purchase agreement, also known for short as a PPA, and the solar industry lease, which is the same economic model as the PPA, and typically they're 15- to 20-year contracts where the owner of the equipment, who's the provider of these programs, obtains a lot of incentive payments, all the tax benefits, and even a, a good portion of the monthly electric savings, and in return, they're selling power to the customer and providing that customer with a minimal discount from their current electric rate. Maybe it's a 10%, 15%, 20% if they're lucky. But those products also have typically annual escalators in the monthly payments. So there's not the all-in certainty that you will always have a monthly payment that's less than your monthly electric savings through that 15- or 20-year term. That's the so-called Achilles heel in those programs. And so there's been a lot of pushback from customers on those programs as of late as they realize the value of the benefits that they're giving up to the provider. And customers want more value from solar than just a nominal discount from electric especially if you're talking to a savvy business owner or a sophisticated CFO. And that's where our traditional operating lease comes in, because while it's just a rental agreement, in essence, we're using it as a de facto form of financing. It's for customers who ultimately want to own these solar systems or energy systems, for that matter, of the types. And they're using the operating lease really as a low-cost path to ownership at an affordable price. These customers want more value from solar and energy systems than a minimal cost reduction. And that's what traditional lease provides. And I refer to it as a traditional lease to distinguish it from these solar industry offerings. Yeah, you know, Stan, when I first heard about your company, I looked at the details, I was really impressed because I, I've candidly have been kind of down on leases for the past 10 years or so, solar leases, because they have escalators. And I kind of look at the numbers, I say, gee, you know, customers may end up being underwater very quickly if the escalator exceeds what's going on with the electric rates, and they still don't own it at the end. So not that good, but I was really impressed with what CleanView has. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about how CleanView Capital's leasing product works for commercial solar and energy storage installations? Sure. Being the first owner of the system allows us to monetize the federal tax benefits. The federal ITC, 30% of project cost is the big uh, economic driver. And then every owner of equipment, whether it's new or used, is allowed to write off their investment with depreciation. So there's that benefit as well. Most companies in the U.S. cannot use the federal income tax credit because they don't pay income taxes. And it's not because they're not profitable. It's because they're so-called pass-through tax-exempt entities where the earnings of the company were reported and taxed on the individual tax returns of the company owners. And that is value created outside of the company. So what we do with our traditional lease is we monetize those tax benefits and we share that value with the customer by way of subsidizing their monthly payments. So a monthly payment on an operating lease, our traditional operating lease, is about half of what it would be on a comparable term capital lease. And guess what? That conserves cash in the business where needed for working capital and other purposes. 
So just as an example, on a hypothetical $1 million solar project, uh, the monthly payment on the uh, operating lease is $8,100 a month on a, uh, a loan or capital lease for the same seven-year period at a fixed 6% interest rate, the monthly payment would be 14538 So, I mean, it's clear that cash outlay is much lower on the operating lease, which conserves cash in the business for working capital and other purposes. And so, uh, so, just, so just to be clear, it's $8,100 on your lease structure for a million-dollar system, solar or solar and storage, whatever. And then if it were on a standard self-amortizing loan, it'd be more like 14500 So you save about $6,400. Now, where does that money come from? What's the magic? Is it the combination of the tax credit and the depreciation that you get to take? Yes, we're sharing that value with the customer. A significant portion of that ITC value, you might say, is being passed through to the customer by way of subsidizing their monthly payments. At the same time, whatever the electric reduction is, the electric savings, is all to the customer. We don't share in that. These payments are fixed. There's no monthly or annual escalator. And the all-in payments over 84 months plus the buyout at the end, which we fully anticipate customers to exercise because of the attractiveness, their all-in payments on that example will add up to only $830,000 on a $1 million project. So roughly 83% of project cost is their all-in payments, and all of those payments are 100% tax deductible for a business The monthly payments is ordinary business expense, and their purchase at the end, they're going to write off with uh, maker's depreciation or one-time first-year write-off if the current tax bill gets uh, put in the law. So it's it's very attractive. It creates this so-called low-cost path to ownership at an affordable price where more incentives and benefits for the customer and not for the provider. All right, Stan, so we're talking about how the lease works over the six-year term, and then what happens at the end of that term? How is the ownership transferred, and what kind of buyout is there? Okay, so it's actually, Barry, a seven-year lease term, and first and foremost, we want to make sure that it's structured in accordance with tax rules so that if ever audited by the IRS, there's no question it's treated as a true lease, which allows us to monetize those tax benefits that I mentioned and share that value with the customer. So at the end of the seventh year, the purchase option is written that the customer has the right to buy the system at the greater of 15% of lease amount or the system's then fair market value, and we don't cap the fair market value. And the reason why is because if ever audited, there's no question that's a fair market value purchase option, which is something IRS likes to see at the end of the lease term. But that raises a concern among customers, gee, how fair market value determined? How do I know I can trust these guys not to take advantage of me with a crazy fair market value, et cetera? So the way we address the customer's concern is by giving them a fixed price early buyout option at the end of the sixth year in an amount equal to 26% of lease amount. So if we don't give, well, our materials say that we will give the customer a letter in the sixth year agreeing as to what their buyout price will be at the end of the seventh year. And what I am saying is if we don't give 15% as a buyout percentage at the end of the seventh year, for some crazy reason, I don't know why we would, but 
if we didn't provide it, they can buy out early at that fixed price, 26%, and have essentially the same all-in payments and economics as if they went full term. And that back-end innovative structure is something that I designed. I'm a tax attorney and accountant, uh, by the way, as you know, Barry, and I've been structuring these transactions to be fully compliant with IRS rules for only the last 35 years, long before I launched this solar leasing product. And so we're, we're very confident that that kind of back-end and those pricing and uh, payment terms would uh, pass muster with the, the IRS. First and foremost, to satisfy tax rules that it's a true lease, but at the same time provide customers with the comfort of knowing that they will not be taken advantage of with a demand for a crazy fair market value. Yeah, to fair, I tell you. We, the, don't, we don't want the equipment returned any more than the customer wants. Yeah back, so we've set these at attractive purchase uh, price levels. So, yeah, the fair market value numbers could be all over the map, literally. But So, so let's kind of go back. In that $1 million equipment example, what would be the buyout at the end of six years, or at the end of the seventh year? Well, at the end of the seventh year, that 15% is $150,000. Now, $8,100 a month times 84 is total payments of $680,000. They'll be buying it at the end for $150,000. And that gets them to the all-in payments of $830,000. So they haven't paid any interest. They haven't even paid for the project cost of a million dollars. They've only paid $830,000. And as I said, all those payments they've made are 100% tax deductible. So that creates this low-cost path to ownership and an affordable price. And that's why we use a traditional operating lease structured in this fashion for the benefit of the customer. We're not trying to make a solar company more profitable. We're trying to advantage the customer by providing them with greater value than what's available from these industry offerings. Well, and then, you know, as far as solar companies being profitable, obviously as a solar company, it's important to me. But if we're profitable and our customers are happy, profitable, making money, their energy savings are significantly greater than their monthly cash flow, it's a, it's a win-win for everybody. So other financing that we've been offering is PACE. How does your lease product compare to a PACE loan? Okay, good question. PACE has its place but it does not solve the number one problem for these privately owned pass-through companies. That is the monetization of the ITC. PACE is really nothing more than a financing with a moderate to high interest rate if you compare it to, let's say, a mortgage. Yet it takes priority over a mortgage as a property tax. So you have that lien on the real estate and you have interest being paid and it doesn't solve the monetization of the ITC. That's still the customer's responsibility, and these pass-through entities oftentimes can't monetize it. With our traditional lease, we're secured only by the solar system. We don't take any sort of lien out against the real estate. As you saw in the example, there's no interest paid. Heck, the customer isn't even paying back uh, the full principal amount of the project. The difference, though, is with our program, It's credit-based. And so if a company or their owners have lousy credit, they're not going to pass muster to with us. They could do a PACE program where it's an equity-based approval based on the equity and the property. They don't have to be a strong credit profile, or I should say a bankable credit profile, to get approved. But that's okay with us. The PACE providers can have all the lousy credits 
We just want good, creditworthy, bankable uh, companies. Yeah. Well, that it's kind of a win-win for everybody. So, what are we talked about it a little bit? But what are the general qualification requirements for your creditworthy customers? Okay. So the number one requirement, and I call it the litmus test because it's the first thing we do when a company sends in tax returns. And by the way, we approve many companies just based on tax returns, not financial statements. The first thing we do is we look at their net income for the year and add back depreciation and any other non-cash charges. That gives us a gross cash flow number. And we compare that to the current portion of long-term debt that's on the company's balance sheet. In other words, the next 12 monthly payments that they're required to make on their existing debt. To that, we add 12 of our lease payments, and it has to be positive cash flow coverage. If it's not the transaction's debt on arrival, we stop right there. That's why it's a litmus test. Ideally, you know, it's, it's decent debt service coverage ratio. One and a half to one would be great, but I can say that you know, we've approved many companies with less of debt service coverage ratio. As long as it's positive, we then look at other aspects, financial ratios of the company, as well as the individuals, because as a general rule, we require personal guarantees of the owners of these companies, because our second way out if the payment, in the event of a payment default is not to go after the real estate, because we don't have a lien on the real estate, uh, and we're doing 100% financing based on just the synergy equipment. Our second way out of the deal is pursuing the personal guarantees. Yeah, that works. So tax reform passed in the House just moments ago, 227 to 202. So now that, quote, tax reform, unquote, is here, any insights how this new tax reform legislation and all its myriad parts is going to affect the solar financing landscape? Good question. Not much is my knee-jerk reaction. As I mentioned a few moments ago, uh, the five-year maker's depreciation for these energy assets will now be accelerated, so it'll be a 100% deduction in the first year. Currently, it's 50% bonus in the first year, and then regular depreciation, which would have resulted in deducting 60% of the project cost in the first year and then the remainder over the next several years. Now that'll be stepped up to 100% right off in the first year, so that's a positive. On the flip side, offsetting that, though, is the reduction in the corporate tax rate from 35% to 21%, which means the value of the depreciation is worth less. ITC is not affected because that's a dollar-for-dollar offset against new tax liability. But depreciation being a deductible item, now it's valued at 21%, or I should say will be if this bill does get signed into law. The deduction, the value of that deduction is is worth less at 21% than 35%. You balance that out with the acceleration of the depreciation deduction. We think on a traditional operating lease like ours, the monthly payment might increase 3 or 4%, which is not a big deal. And keep in mind that whatever that increased amount is, is still 100% tax deductible. So it's going to be a, a minimal impact on our pricing where we will have a more important impact is with these PPA programs where they're driven by tax equity partners who are oftentimes multinational companies. And there's a provision of the current bill where the value of the investment tax credit 
will be reduced by 20% to those folks. Yeah, there's that beat provision that CIA has been kind of working on minimizing, but I, I think they did a great job, but there'll still be a minimum that's, impact. Yeah, that's so, it. Yeah. Exactly. All right, so how can people get in touch with you at Cleanview Capital? Okay, so they could go to our website where all of our contact information is located, www.cleanviewcapital.com. Also, our main number is 914-613-8454. I can be reached at extension 1, and my business partner, Al Golombeski, can be reached at extension 2. We are uh, co-owners and managing partners at Queenview Capital. All right, great. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks, Stan, and thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. If you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.